Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. It's so great to be here this morning. My name's Beck, and I serve here at Toongabi Baptist Church, and it is my joy and my privilege today to read the Bible for us. So if you've got your Bible with you, please open it up to Luke chapter 24. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like to read from a hard copy, we have Bibles at the back, um, just near the doors that you've entered um, on a table. So we'd love for you to grab a Bible, um, and that would be our gift from us to you. But um, if you've got your Bibles, we'll open up to Luke chapter 24 and read verses 1 to 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Christ is risen. Isn't it wonderful to be here on an Easter Sunday? My name's James. I'm the senior pastor here, and I've got the joy of opening up God's Word this morning on Resurrection Sunday. And it's a great reminder for us that not only do we come out on Easter Sunday to be reminded that it's Resurrection Sunday, but the church ever since the resurrection of Jesus have met every Sunday because of the resurrection of Jesus. So let's pray and ask God to help us now as we open up His Word. Heavenly Father, we ask now that You'll give us the the ears to hear what we need to hear, to see what we need to see. And Lord, may we delight in Christ our Saviour today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday, I, um, I opened up my email account and there I have, I receive an email that says, Dear James, and in the title bar as I open my email account, it says, Congratulations. Now, when you see that word, congratulations, my eyes light up because really, I was saying to the staff this week, I don't think I've ever won anything in my life. And so I, it grabbed my attention and it had the name Chrissy Davis and I thought, that's a normal name, that'll be fine. And it says, Congratulations. So I click on in. And I thought, maybe I've won a 20% discount voucher at Rebel Sport or JB Hi-Fi. I thought, maybe it could be that. Maybe it's that good that I've got a discount at Macca's, maybe, or Hungry Jack's. And as I open that email, it says, congratulations, your email has been chosen. And I read a little bit further, and it says, congratulations, James, your email has been chosen to for a donation of $2.5 million. Now, and it said click the link below. And so, you know what I want to, like, 
In that moment, I knew it was too good to be true. It seemed too good to be true. And in that moment, I knew that it was. But I wonder as you've grown up, maybe as a young girl, you, you sort of loved the idea of mermaids, but eventually it seemed too good for them to be true. It seemed too good as a young boy to think that a man in a red suit would come down a chimney and drink milk and, and give you heaps of presents. Or to think that eggs just turn up in, in the bush by an Easter bunny. It seemed too good to be true. Or even just during your normal week as an adult, you go to the car salesman and they say to you, if you pay a deposit today, next Thursday you can pick this car up. And you think to yourself, well, there's a shortage of new cars. It seems too good to be true that it will be ready. You lay the deposit down and you turn up next Thursday and say, hey, sorry, it's going to be six months away. It seems too good to be true. But I wonder, do we actually think that more deeply at a higher level when actually, when, when our purpose, our meaning and our happiness in life, in those things where our world gets turned upside down, I wonder if it's in those moments when we become demoralized, we become disenchanted with our situation in life, that it's in those moments that the hope and the joy of the future, it just seems too good to be true. Or even in that moment right now, as interest rates in, rise, as the cost of living increases, as you've got to go to the doctors again this week, I wonder, do you feel to yourself, I feel like it just seems too good to be true. And I wonder why we think that, of the hope of the future, of a, of a brighter future. And I wonder, is it, is it because the experienced reality that we're in right now is different to our expectation for reality. I wonder sometimes, does it seem too good because our experienced reality that we're in right now is different to our expectation for reality? And I wonder today, in this passage for these followers of Jesus, I wonder if it just seemed too good to be true. Because the experienced reality that they're facing right now, as we start off in Luke chapter 24, isn't the expectation for reality that they had. And it seems too good to be true. And I wonder if we're here today, sometimes wondering, on Easter Sundays, we think about the resurrection of Christ, do we think it just seems too good to be true? Because it's in this moment that these women and these apostles and these disciples, that their world has just been rocked and turned upside down. They had their hopes in Jesus. They'd seen him raise a boy from the dead. They'd seen him feed 5,000 men plus kids and children with, over, with, with only you know, five loaves of bread and two fish. They saw Jesus on a boat calm the storms so it became still. They'd seen how the demons and, and the evil in this world, they would bow down and they'd recognize Jesus for who he is. And now he's buried, dead, crucified on a Roman cross. Their experienced reality is different to their expectation of reality. Because even seven days prior to this account, Jesus, the man in whom they had all their hopes and dreams tied up in, who would come, they thought, and would knock Rome off the throne, put the king on the throne, and they would live happily ever after, and they would subdue the world. 
And there on Palm Sunday, they shout, Hosanna in the highest. They lay the palm. Here is King Jesus. But now King Jesus is in the grave. They're shattered. And I, you know, I wonder how they're feeling. Because, have a look at verse 55 of, verse, of chapter 23. We've just got to go back to get the picture. See, the women who had come with Jesus for Gal- from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. That's telling us that Jesus really died and that these women that we encounter today in Luke 24, they know that Jesus is in the tomb. See, in, in the ancient world, on the Roman cross, they, they, would knock the, they would break their legs so that they would die, if they hadn't died already, so that they would suffocate and die quicker. See, the Roman soldiers know when someone's dead. They know that Jesus is dead. That's why they didn't break his legs. And so here, they, they're heading off in verse 1. Have a look at verse 1. They weren't able to go and put the spices on this dead body because the Sabbath had come in. And so now it's, you're going to picture the scene. They've had a day to mourn to contemplate, to take life in. It's still a bit surreal. Jesus is dead. He's buried. And on the first day, verse 1 of the week, the sun's coming up. There would have been a bit of maybe a bit of mist and steam in the air. And the women took the spices they had prepared and they head, they go to the tomb. Perplexed, demoralized. This is not how it's meant to be. Jesus is dead. And verse 2 tells us that they're expecting a dead body. The spices tell us that they're expecting Jesus to be dead. And what they find in verse 2 would have been a bit confronting. They found the stone rolled away. Oh, what's happened? Why is the stone rolled away? They, They go in, they enter a bit further, and they're going to be perplexed even more because where's the body of Jesus gone? So at this point, they still don't believe. They think he's dead. Where is he? Where's the body? Where's he taken to? Where's it gone? And I wonder in that moment, I wonder if for them it's like that moment of it just seemed too good to be true, all this that Jesus had done previously. And I wonder, do we ever think that same question, that as we face reality today in the 21st century, I wonder, do we ever think that it just seems too good to be true, all this stuff about the gospel? Especially when our experience reality is different to what we expect reality should be for us. And sometimes Good Friday just seems too good to be true. It seems too good to be true that evil will not triumph. And I wonder as these women walk to this tomb, I wonder if they thought evil has won. Jesus is in the grave. He's in the tomb. Evil has won the day. God's plans, they've all been defeated. And I wonder today, as we sit in the 21st century, I wonder sometimes as we look around the world and see the injustices and the the wrongs and the evil, or you hear about abuse, or you hear about murder, or you hear about the wars, and we think, it just seems too good that evil will not triumph. Because our experience reality is different to our expectation for reality. But it can also seem too good to be true that there's forgiveness and redemption from sin. I wonder, have you turned up today as a Christian... And you have shame and guilt today from the things that you've done this week or the bad decisions or the sin that's just, it's engulfed you at this moment, the mistakes you've made. 
And if Good Friday is all about Jesus dying in our place, that it's through his blood we can be redeemed and have forgiveness of sin, but I'm still feeling shame and guilt. And you think, is it those words of Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that says there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It just seems they're just too good to be true. That there's nothing I have to do to be redeemed. That my shame is wiped. That my past, present and future, if I trust in Jesus, are gone. That just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem, it just seems too good to be true. Or that death has been defeated. It just seems like death is defeated. It just seems too good. Or as you hold the hand of a loved one who's got terminal cancer and they're about to die and you think, Death is gunned again. Or as you think of a loved one who is, who's struggling with the loss of a parent, or the reality that all your friends and all your family will one day be buried in the grave, and it just seems too good to think that death has been defeated. Because you hear those stories of Jesus raising kids to life. You hear the story of Jesus when he comes to his friend's tomb, Lazarus, and Jesus makes a very exclusive claim where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. That means outside of him there is no life and resurrection. And he raises him from the grave and we hear that and you think, I wonder if it just seems too good to be true. Because everyone you know dies. Or does it just seem too good to think that God will restore everything that is broken? amidst the cancer scares, amidst the global pandemics or amidst the poverty or amidst the homelessness or amidst the reality of just seeing a world that's messy and broken and to think that God will one day restore all that back to how it should have been just seems too good. And I wonder, I wonder if these women might have been asking this question of God, God, will you ever come and put things right? Because often our experience reality is different to our expectation for reality. See, they thought Jesus dying and being buried wasn't meant to be. Good Friday wasn't meant to happen. Their experience reality is different to their expectations. They wanted Jesus to come and remove evil, to remove Rome... But the reality is if Jesus came to remove evil, none of us would be left here today without Good Friday. But Easter Sunday and the resurrection of Jesus actually does change everything. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. It gives us a real confidence to trust in Jesus, even when our perceptions of reality are warped. It gives us real confidence to know that the gospel actually is what we truly need. Because see, whether you're here today as a Christian, whether you're seeking, whether you know you're not a Christian, I think deep down, all of us probably do want the things about Jesus to be true. We want those claims to be true. Deep down, all of us in some sense would love the idea of life after death. We would love the idea that wars would end. We'd love the idea that things would be restored. There's this hole within us that's yearning for this story. It's why we love redemption movies and redemption books and where things are put right. 
And then, but then it seems just too good to be true. But see, the gospel can seem too good to be true that it is true. See, here in this verse, here in this chapter, in verses 1 to 12, Luke, who's a doctor, he's inquired and investigated everything. At the beginning of this gospel, he tells us that he has written this gospel so that we can be certain about the things that we've been taught. Or another way to say is that you can be, have confidence in the things about who Jesus really is. See, these words in Luke chapter 24, I think they're condensed, they're very condensed, but they're here to give you real confidence. See, he wants us to know that Jesus really is the Son of God, and he wants us to know that Jesus really died, and that Jesus really rose from the dead and he's exalted. C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis, who's written some incredible books. He's, got, he's an incredible storyteller. C.S. Lewis found himself at the Oxford University for nearly 30 years from 1925 to 1954. And during that time, he became fluent and he studied mythology. He's an expert on the lit- literacy of mythology. And guess what C.S. Lewis said? After that, he said, I was by now too experienced in literacy criticism to regard the Gospels as myths. They had not the mythical taste. See, what Lewis found was that the more he studied the New Testament Gospels, the more he studied ancient mythology, he realised that actually the New Testament was fact. Or as someone else says, he said, the historical evidence for the resurrection is as good as for almost any history event in ancient history and so Luke and the New Testament give us real confidence here on Easter Sunday to know that it's true so these 12 verses give us confidence to know that the resurrection is true have a look at verse 4 while they were wondering about this now that word wondering it's it's not it's not this sort of ah it's a confused perplexed doubt while they were wondering, while these women were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In other gospel accounts, they tell us that they're angels. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. And here's a hint that they still, don't, they still think Jesus is dead. Because they say to the women, why do you look for the living among the dead? Right, see so these women, they've turned up to the tomb expecting Jesus to be dead and they're like, Why are you here? Because Jesus is alive. He's not here. He has risen. Now, for us in the 21st century Australia, that's we've become so accustomed in Western culture to know that Easter weekend, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not, that Easter Sunday is about Jesus rising from the dead, whether you believe it or not. We're so accustomed to it. We have Easter bunnies. We 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 have a long weekend. We just know that, oh yeah, yeah. They went to the tomb and Jesus is alive, whether you believe it or not. But 2,000 years ago, they did not have 2,000 years of church history. These women turn up to the tomb with none of that behind them. They actually turn up expecting Jesus to be dead. And they say to these women, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Now, the logic of what's going on here is 
It's like, women, do you remember that Jesus said he's the Son of Man? Oh, yeah. Now, he told us that he is going to be handed over to sinners. Yes. And on Good Friday, we saw that he was handed over to sinners. Yes. Right now, he was crucified. Jesus foretold that he'd be crucified on a cross. What did you see? He was crucified on a cross. Do you also remember that on the th- he said that on the third day he'd be raised from the dead? Oh. It's, do you see that? They remembered. They remembered his words. He did say that. And all this has come true. Oh, and I don't know whether, you know, I don't know how long they've stayed around. The other accounts show that they've stayed around a bit longer, but I don't know how quick they ran. Did they walk? Were they excited? Were they contemplating? But they go back to the apostles and to others, and these women tell them in verse 11 what's happened. And verse 11 says, But some, these apostles, they did not believe the women because their words seemed to be like nonsense. They just seemed too good to be true. But Peter, he just sort of marveled and off he went. And he found the tomb and there was linen there. See, there's two ways of responding. It's either it seems too good to be true or it gives us confidence to know that it is true. See, these verses want you and me here today to know that Jesus is risen from the grave. Now, some people will argue that it's not historical. I've heard, of, I've heard a variety of reasons this week. You know, one of them was that the women went to the wrong tomb. Well, I just go like, really? It's Jerusalem. It's not Sydney. Like, you, you think they'd know where... They, and then for Peter to go to the wrong tomb as well says there's something... Like, you know, it doesn't really stack up. But can I let you, know, can I let you on a little secret as well for a moment? That if you wanted to invent a story in the ancient world that would have value and have backing, you wouldn't use women as testimonies for that. Now this week, if I find myself, now I'm not going to find myself in court this week, hopefully, but if I found myself in court and 10 women saw the event and could testify that James did not, you know, he's innocent, I would grab those 10 women, they would write it out and I'd be telling, please, you know, you've got to really make sure you tell this story correctly. But if I was in the first century and I found myself in the same situation, as confronting as it may be, there's no chance I would want women to testify for me. Because in the ancient world, in the first century, women's testimonies were worthless. And so if you wanted to make up a hoax, why would you use women? And I think that's why in the very fact he does it, actually, it's actually there to verify to us that what these women saw really happened. And what these disciples saw afterwards that Jesus was walking and talking happened. The very fact at which the speed of Christianity grew through history, through that first century. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus. But not only that, remember, remember Peter? Remember Peter as we've walked through this sermon series from in Luke? Remember Peter? Peter who's a bit, you know, like he, he, he puts his... I suppose he puts his foot in his mouth occasionally, he speaks up really quickly, he has opinions and, and he's the first one to say these things. And there he is with Jesus and Jesus says, someone's going to deny us. And he says, no, nah, Jesus, I'm, I'm there with you, brother. I'm going to go the whole way. 
I'll kill whoever we need to kill. I'll take my swords. And if I've got to die for you, Jesus, I will die. And Jesus says, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And what does Peter do? He's just asked, do you know Jesus of Galilee? And he says, uh, no, three times he denies Christ. And he walks away crying. And yet within about a week or within about a month, it just completely flips that these cowards have courage. These people who had fear now have faith. Why? The resurrection of Jesus changes it all. See, in, in 1 John, in, in 1 John, it, in 1 John we read this. You know, we've, we've heard Jesus, we've seen him, we've touched him. And we proclaim Concerning the word of life, we proclaim that he is risen because we've seen it, we've touched it. And then, but how about Jesus' brother James, who the Jews take to the top of the Temple Mount, they throw him over the edge, he breaks his legs, and they say to him, Recant, say Jesus isn't alive, don't say Jesus is Lord. And he says, I can't do that, he is. And so they stone him and they crush his skull. Or we read in the book of Revelation, we hear about a man called Antisipus from Pergamon, who, who, who was a witness and a martyr for Jesus, who would not say Jesus was not alive. See, he would have encountered the Apostle John. He would have, they, they had his crossover, that they heard this message of the gospel that, that changed their lives. And how did Antisipus supposedly die? He died in a bronzen bull. Now, a bronzen bull was made out of bronze. It was a way of torturing and killing people. That there's a latch. They would put you in the bull, light the fire, and they would burn you to death. And the horns of the bull had little holes so that as you were cooked, the steam would come out of it. And as you screamed, it was like a horn whistling. And Antisipus was put through that because he would not say Jesus did not rise from the dead. In fact, they say that he was quiet. Or maybe we come a couple of uh, 2,000 millennia later and we come to Germany in World War II a month out, a month out from the end of the war where Germany would surrender and Dietrich Bonhoeffer finds himself before, before being killed and then he is killed a month out. And the camp doctor who witnessed the death of Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, in 50 years as a doctor, I have hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. Why? The resurrection of Jesus. Because see, at the heart, of the, uh, the heart of Christianity, at the heart of the gospel, is the resurrection of Jesus. At the heart of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus is his exaltation as king. At the heart of the gospel, the resurrection means everything has changed. And Luke and the New Testament want you to have real confidence to know that Jesus has been risen from the grave. And therefore, Jesus changes everything. And as one theologian said, see, the issue on which everything hangs in life is not whether or not you like Jesus' teaching. It doesn't matter whether you like his morals or his teaching. Life does not hang on that. Everything in this world hangs on the fact of whether or not Jesus rose from the grave. And if he rose from the grave, it just changes our whole, changes everything. As one pastor says in America, he says, the resurrection is the interpretation of Good Friday. 
The resurrection is the divine vindication of the work of Christ on the cross. See, without the cross, without the resurrection, without the resurrection, the work of the cross has no validation. Any hope of forgiveness, any hope of eternity, any hope of immortality and new bodies, is on all, it's all a fabrication if Jesus did not raise from the grave. And so central to Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus. The purpose in which the Son of God came to this earth was to die, to be buried, and his purpose was to be raised and to conquer the grave. But their experienced reality at that moment was not the expectation for their reality. And so it just seemed too good to be true. See, it gives us real confidence to know it's true. See, it, it means that evil hasn't triumphed, but it's been crushed by Jesus. It means that when you feel guilt and you feel shame and you ponder about the sins that you will do and will do into the future and what you have done, you can have absolute confidence in those words that say there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can have confidence that those words are true. You can have confidence that through the blood of Christ, we have redemption. We have forgiveness of sins. And it also means that we have confidence that God will restore. And therefore, it means death has been defeated. It's been done away with. See, the resurrection changes everything so that as we face our experienced reality that sometimes is different to our expectation for our reality, we can face that reality with absolute confidence because Christ has conquered the grave. It changes everything. See, the resurrection tells us, the resurrection tells us that the only reason you do not have to fear the anger and the wrath of God is because Jesus faced the anger and the wrath of God in your place on Good Friday. The reason you, can, the reason you don't have to fear death today is because Jesus faced death for you and he had victory over it. The only reason you can live in the now knowing the certainty of the future is because Christ is exalted and seated at the right hand of God because he's been raised from the grave. And that's the message of the gospel. The gospel is a message about the life, death and resurrection of Jesus and the empty tomb gives you absolute confidence to know that that's true. And so here's where it hits the road for us today. Here's how it hits the road for each one of us here in this moment. See, the resurrection of Jesus gives us real confidence to know that our faith in Jesus is not in vain. It gives us real confidence to know that our faith in Christ is not in vain. As human beings, we do not invest in things that will never come through. You know, if I go out to, to, you know, if I invest in dumplings at the dumpling shop, I get something in return. You know, we, we, we invest in things. Or, or another way we could put it is that we entrust ourselves to people that will come through for us. And actually today, all of us, every single one of us has a faith. We're all entrusting ourselves to something or someone to come through for us. And often the person that we're entrusting to come through for us is ourselves. 
All other faith is in vain unless it's in Christ. And so the resurrection gives us absolute confidence that our faith is not in vain. A couple of weeks ago, um, we went to a, my first game of international soccer. Uh, some people might call it football, I call it soccer. It was a Socceroos playing um, Ecuador. And so we paid 125 bucks and we got five tickets. And now I bought those tickets expecting something in return. I turned up to that Parramatta Combank Stadium, incredible stadium, to watch soccer. And I turned up there and, and I bought these tickets and I expected something in return for what I invested in. I expected a return on something that I'd paid for that the Socceroos would hopefully win and it'd be a great game of soccer and I'd have a great time with my family. See, I paid for that to get something in return. And I wonder if some of us are here today turning up on Easter Sunday expecting that God's going to give you something in return. That some of you have entrusted your faith to your moral religion. I wonder if you've turned up today going, I've turned up on Easter Sunday, God. I've brought my family along with me. We've sung the songs, we've rejoiced. But I'm hoping that my next month's going to go well for me because I've turned up. I've turned up next week hoping that God will come through for me. Sometimes our faith is in ourselves. We turn up to church because we think that God's going to do something for us. More hard work, more morals, more religion. Some of us will leave today and we'll walk down the street this afternoon and we'll walk down and say, we rejoice that Jesus has risen from the grave, but you'll walk down the street and you'll be in contempt and you'll mock the people that you walk past quietly. You'll go, boy, I'm glad I'm not like them. If only they dressed like me, if only they acted like me, if only they had good morals and, and good religion and they, came, they, they just looked like us, then in that moment, the world would be right. See, in that moment, our faith is not in Christ, it's in our own religion. In that moment, we think that God's going to give us something because we think we're better than the rest of society. And the moment you think you're better than the rest of society, your faith is now in yourself. So I wonder, do we sometimes feel like death doesn't have a hold on me because I've turned up to Easter Sunday church? I wonder sometimes do we feel like death doesn't have a hold on me because you stand up for a political agenda, a political cause and a social justice movement. I'm pretty sure death doesn't have a hold on me because my kids have studied hard, they've got a uni degree and they've come to church with me today. It seems that death doesn't have a hold on me because, because my perceived reality is that my morality is a lot better than 90% of Sydney. That is a faith that's in vain. See, death, there's only one reason that death does not have a hold on us. Death does not have a hold on you because of Christ and Christ alone. That's the gospel. We've done nothing. Absolutely nothing. And therefore we can have confidence that our faith is not in vain when we entrust our lives to him. How do we receive this wonderful gospel? It's by faith. 
It's by entrusting ourselves to him. See, it's in those moments we can have confidence, in those moments where we do look at ourselves and we walk down the street and we think to ourselves, I am a little bit better than that person. It's in that moment that the confidence of the gospel tells you. You know what it tells you? It tells you, no, I don't have confidence in that. I have confidence in Jesus and I'm just like them, but I'm a sinner who's been saved by grace. The only reason I'm different is because of Jesus and nothing else. Nothing in my hand I bring, but simply to the cross I cling. See, as RJ mentioned on Friday, the gospel is confronting and yet beautiful at the same time. It's confronting because our pride has to be stripped from us. That we can't have faith in ourselves. We can't have faith in our works. We can't have faith in our religion. It strips us of that pride and we cling to Christ. And as every day goes by, the more and more we should realize that all we have is Christ. All we have is Christ. And therefore, we have confidence to see ourselves as we truly are. Sinners who have been saved by grace. And so that's in those moments... It's in those moments where we may forget the words of Jesus. It may be in those moments where our experienced reality is different to our expectations for reality. Whether it's in those moments of shame or whether it's in the moments of cancer treatment or whether it's in the moment of a hip replacement or whether it's in the moment of doubt and shame or whether it's in the moments where you start to think that you're better than others. It's actually in those very moments that we have confidence to know, no, it's in Christ alone. Our faith is not in vain when it's in Christ. Now, the world will say that's crazy. But at the centre of Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus. There was a man by the name of Paul who encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. His life was turned upside down because he experienced the risen Lord Jesus. And he found himself in the city of Athens and he was debating in the council, he was debating the people of the city explaining to them about who Jesus is and the good news of Jesus. And here's, here's what happened after Paul told them about the resurrection of Jesus. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that Paul left the council, some of the people became followers of Paul and believed, and others left. See, some sneer, some believe. Some thinks it's too good to be true, while others go, it's so good to be true, that it is true. I wonder today, I wonder how you're going to walk out of this building today. Are you going to walk away as someone who who sneers at the resurrection of Jesus, or are you going to walk away marvelling at the resurrection of Jesus? Are you going to walk away today going, it's not true, or are you going to walk away allowing your life to be shaped by it? How are you going to leave this room today? Will you walk away going, it just seems too good to be true? Or will you walk away with absolute confidence and your faith in Christ that through his life, death and resurrection, I'm reconciled to God. I have life everlasting and Christ will put all things right again. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Let's pray.
Father, we, we pray that we'll never tire of hearing of the resurrection of Christ. Lord, may we see every Sunday as Resurrection Sunday where we come as people who know that at the centre of Christianity is Christ. At the centre of Christianity is his life, death and his resurrection and that he is exalted and seated at your right hand. Lord, may we never grow tired of it, but Lord, may we marvel in it, may we delight in it. <clears throat> and Father, we pray on this Easter Sunday that as we walk away, that as whatever our experience reality will be this week, which could possibly be different to what we expect, Father, may we have great confidence in Jesus and may we have great confidence that it's through him that we're made right with you. Father, I pray that your spirit will be at work amongst us now for those who are doubting, for those who can't see. And so, Father, we pray that no one will leave this morning not believing that the resurrection of Jesus took place. And, Father, we pray that they will fall at the foot of the cross and say, I have nothing else but Christ. All we have is Him. Well, give us confidence to believe that, to live for it, and may He be at the centre of all we do and say. And we pray this with absolute confidence because Christ is risen. Amen.